Jim Cran, No Restrictions, uh, here with Tracy Jane. Uh, we are uh, very excited here. I have uh, the star of the Lenny Bruce Show, which is at the Byam Theater this weekend, Ronnie Marmo. I, I, it, took, it took me like nine times. I'm terrible with names, Ron. That's okay. You can talk about the memory of a flash cube. I don't and even know I, your first name. See? I'm Jimmy. See, no, that's good. You I'm can kidding. say Jimmy. I don't know your name. And I'd be like, that's my, okay. My brother's name is Jimmy, so that's easy. Ah, right. I won't forget that. Okay. And, and, yeah, it's a Tracy. And, 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 and lovely, lovely wife. Beautiful. Uh, Janelle, right? I got the name right. How can you remember Janelle but not Ron? Because she's really gorgeous. True. How do you forget that, right? You're not lying. You, I kicked your coverage on that. I married her. That's yes. Her. In football terms, you got kicked your coverage. You kicked my right? coverage, yeah. Went way above where you should have kicked, right? That's true. That's so true. You go to church, pray every thank you, God. Thank you. No, no. But it's, it's a team effort, isn't it? As an entertainer. You've been an entertainer, obviously, your whole life. An yes. actor, I would guess. Like myself. Well, since it was uh, my whole adult life. I became an entertainer, I'd say, uh, I was about 22 is the first time I did this in a real way. Yeah. Before that, I was a lot of different things—a garbage man, a pizza man. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and uh, and yeah, I was about 22 when I when I gave this a real shot and fell in love with it. So well, I, a, I'd say half my life. It's a strange thing. It's like playing poker. Your your chips are going all in, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I graduated in a degree in business and then went right into entertainment. Until this day, my mother's 84 years old. She thinks I'm a drug dealer. That's amazing. Because I'll sit in a home in my condo writing eight hours. You don't leave the home writing. Oh, you don't leave that place. Then you you got that car. How'd you get that car? <laughs> That's so they funny. They pay you to do that. They're right. They do. My director, uh, Joe Montaigne, yeah. has a really great story that he tells about his mom when he got the job on Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. His mother called, uh, you know, Joe's brother Ronnie, and said, "Ronnie, I'm really worried about Joe. <laughs> he's got this acting job, but he's only working one hour a week. How's he? How's he gonna? How's he gonna?" Like live on that. She didn't yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. So it's so funny. It is. Man. It's, it's a weird like world. It. Yeah, it's we don't the entertainment it. world. Huh? Yeah. Some people don't get the show business. You know, my daughter B said this. She when she was little, she, I was like, "What do you want to be when she grows up?" She, she was, uh, "I want to be a garbage man because I only work one day a week because there was something else one day a week." And I'm <laughs> like, "Very bright." Yeah, it was brilliant. I was like, "Yes." Well, you yeah. have your mother to thank for your creative ambitions too. She took you to the theater. And yeah, yeah, she took me. Oh, uh, really? That's yeah, what got you going? Yeah, she was, she was, listen, don't misunderstand, she was not an artistic woman. She was a little crazy yeah. Italian lady from Brooklyn, from the Bronx. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah. yeah but, Italian, Polish. But we had, exact. oh, really? That's, that's a good mix. So we had, we had a, a guy in my neighborhood who she was good friends with who would do these community theater shows. And we would go support him. And I thought he was the most brilliant actor in the world. I didn't realize he wasn't. I just was so excited. This guy was on stage in front of these people. And then my mother passed away. You know, I was 23 and she was a young lady. And then I was like, you know what? I always kind of wanted to do that. So I called the guy and then the rest is history. And, and, so, and it's like, when you're, you're an entertainer, man. It's like you're, people look at you like you're crazy until you hit something. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you had it the whole time. But it's feast or famine sometimes. That's what it is. And you know that you're entertaining. When you're crazy, you're really... And uh, here you are, though, with the coolest, I think the coolest gig, man, one of the coolest gigs, being a comedian, you know. Uh, Ronnie is a star, uh, plays Lenny Bruce, uh, and has played this character uh, for somewhat of a, about 15 years or so, right? The character, I believe you said. Yeah, yeah, I did some other guy's show, uh, two six-month runs. It was a one-man show, but it was Lenny Bruce. 
And it was great. I, it was wonderful. But then at some point I realized that like I wanted to tell more of the story. Yeah. I felt like it was kind of, I don't want to say a safer version than what the truth of, you know, encapsulating Lenny. Right. And Trace, you saw the play. I mean, I start the play dead naked on the toilet. Yes. So I saw it in New York at the Fox Theater. It's amazing. Thank you. So I say that just to say like the difference between that version and mine, the way it's... And so I, I wrote my own, that was five years ago. I think uh, this weekend is my 405th performance. That's amazing, wow. isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, it's... 405. It's a huge hit. Uh, yeah. The interesting thing, tell me, Lenny <coughs> Bruce, he was a troubled soul. He's a genius, right? And many geniuses are, but he was a really troubled man, wasn't he? Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, he had a lot of demons, but, you know, he... He was the smartest guy in the room, usually, and people didn't like that. You know, he, he spoke power, you know, he spoke uh, truth to power, and people, people never liked that first guy right. to right. hold up a mirror to society and go, you know, he hated hypocrisy, and so he would discuss these issues. You know, you said, I, before we got on, you talked about how you do impressions. Yeah. Lenny's career started. As in, he was an impressionist. I read, I read yes. He was an impressionist. But then at some point he was like, you know, he just started telling the band story. It's something to say. Yeah. And he said, well, let me just turn around to the audience and say it. And it was really revolutionary. It, you know? it, it, people don't realize that now, that how revolutionary it really was. Mm -hmm. You know, let's even take if somebody thinks he's funny or not. It doesn't, it's not, that's not the point. The yeah. point is he broke ground where he was risking everything and he did he got blackballed yeah and that that's a you know think about how scary that is how, he, he got a, how, he got arrested several times right yeah yeah he did i mean that's why i named the play i'm not a comedian i'm lenny bruce okay because i thought that's the name of the show yeah. because i thought well that sums it up really there was there were times and specifically one night he was on stage and he wasn't funny because he wasn't always funny you know right sometimes just trying to make a point and he said, you know, I'm sorry I wasn't funny tonight. I'm not a comedian. I'm Lenny Bruce. And he walked off stage, you know. Huh. And so I was like, oh, that's the title. That's the title. You know? He was self-aware. Because he, he was a comedian. But at some point, he became Lenny Bruce. The voice of that generation, in a sense, right? Yeah. I mean, and that was a time when Dylan and all these other people, oh, look, this controversy. Remember long hair? You couldn't have long hair with your ears. It was just, it was crazy. When we look back, it was insane. My wife is slightly younger than us. I'm not sure she remembers that. <laughs> she remembers bad <laughs> neon in yeah. the 80s. Yes, you're right. She remembers bad neon. Yes. But, uh, the the, we, uh, the we new were... kids on the block that broke the ice. Oh, them, yes. Yes, yes. new controversial new kids. <laughs> yeah, the big controversy over that. Tell me about Debbie Gibson. That's her, too. It's She's <laughs> edgy. She was edgy, yeah, like, <laughs> like Blondie. Um, what, what, what got you... Was it, was it the first plays? What got you involved in the point where you wrote your own play on the man? You, got, you dug in and got, did the research. I want to know how you did the research, how accurate it is, and what inspired you to do it. You know, as an actor and a playwright, it's very hard to like find something that not only do you feel like you can be the best version of your abilities, but also something that people care about. It's such a weird combination. Like, you know, this could be a very self-indulgent project right. and nobody cares, but it turns out everybody cares because it's free speech, First Amendment. Right. Our country's, uh, you know, in the crapper at the moment and it's been for a while. And so there's a lot of issues. So, so that's why I fell in love with Lenny. I said, wow, people are really, are drawn to this piece. And me as an actor, I was really, really drawn to the piece. And so that's why I set off to write my own. I, uh, 
I wanted to tell the whole story. And, uh, and I'm so delighted that people care about it and come back over. People have seen it over and over. Have family members come up to you from Lenny Bruce's family? Oh, well, I had to get the rights from his daughter, We're, Kitty. Okay, so they love it. And yeah, Kitty, Kitty, Bruce, uh, Kitty Bruce said it's the best betrayal of her father she's ever seen. So, ah, what a compliment. So that's the review, right? So, yeah, ask a question. We're, we're, well, this is a new reinvention of Jim Crow, no restrictions. I've been doing 250, and, and I'm, I'm not leaving gas. That is actually the seat. So I was like, Jim, I'm sitting right Third here. time already, I'm like squeaking. But, uh, but this is uh, the third uh, reinvention of the show, and people that follow it appreciate it. We've got 285 episodes or something like that. Uh, and Tracy Jane is now joined. So, Trace, I know your plight. Jump in there. I'm not. That, no. Don't be polite. <laughs> If you have a question, good. You can't be well, polite on radio or podcast. Yeah, right? you got to no. jump in there. Jump in there, good. Well, I, uh, I have to say that I, I was talking to people in town about this, and um, everyone's so excited because there's this resurgence of interest in Lenny Bruce because of Miss Maisel. So it's such great timing that that's mm-hmm. sort of, uh, uh, when I said we were going to right. interview you, they, they said, oh, the guy that's in Miss Maisel or the star of the show? You know? So they knew of both. Uh, that's nice of, and, and I feel like one feeds the other. And just, I, I no, that's cool. I like that a lot. Luke Kirby's the other actor's name. And he's doing a great job. You know, look, it's not his show. And so he, I, I think if you, if you find Lenny Bruce through Maisel, which a lot of people are, I mean, anybody under 50, 60 years old, right. you know, like I'm too young for Lenny. Even. I wasn't around when Lenny was. So... Um, if you find Lenny through Maisel, it's a nice, like, appetizer. You go, oh, I, I, I know he was a comic. I know the guys. But when you come to the show, you go, oh, I get it now. So it's, uh, I'm very grateful to Maisel. They're doing a very different thing than I'm doing. Right, exactly. Uh, he, well, I mean, yeah. I, of course, and as uh, my comedy buddies, my comedy flam- family in New York City, we came to see the show because we're all stand-up comics. So... Mm. We drank the Kool-Aid a long time ago. You know, we live for the history of stand-up comedy. And when you get into it, uh, you study all of the greats and Lenny Bruce being such a groundbreaker. He's what, you know, I watched the movie with my buddies that I started with in Houston. And so we were always uh, obsessed with the history of people like Lenny Bruce and Bill Hicks. But now you're bringing it to people that may not have been. Yeah. Well, it's refreshing to me that you care so much because you so many comics, you'd be shocked at people who are making a living in comedy headlining don't know who Lenny Bruce was. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think they're real comics. I've had those conversations with them and I'd be like, excuse me? So, yeah, and they might know Carlin and Pryor who Lenny right. directly handed the microphone to, right? Right. So, uh, and those guys are the best. But, but yeah, no, I think... Uh, to be great at anything, I think you have to respect the history of it. That's why I don't call myself a stand-up. People ask me, are you a stand-up? And I say, no, I'm an actor who's like pretty Please. good with a microphone. Mm-hmm. But, I'm, but I have too much respect for stand-up to call myself a stand-up. Yeah, so, people forget, you're right, people forget that before Lenny Bruce, the style of comedy was like Henny Youngman or whatever, one-liners. Take my wife, Take please. my wife, please. Yeah. It, was, it was very... Not very non-controversial. There was right? some people talk about the weather. Basically, it was this really yeah. generic. Yeah. Some were pushing you. Th- you yeah, there were some people some? doing blue material, but like Red Fox people. Oh, okay. So Lenny felt like he was like the first like mainstream to do it. 
Yeah, like somebody who you would go see in a club. Like Red Fox had his people, and Lenny was, you know, groundbreaking. I mean, even guys like Dick Gregory, the great Dick Gregory. Right. Um, you know, the first time he saw Lenny, uh, Lenny was doing the N-word bit, the famous Lenny Bruce N-word mm-hmm. bit, which you saw on the show. I no longer do it in the show. I just cut it a few months ago, which I'm happy to talk about. But, but when Dick Gregory saw Lenny Bruce for the first time, he said... Uh, he said, Lenny Bruce is the eighth wonder of the world. And if they don't kill him or lock him up, he's going to shake up this country. So Dick Gregory, the great Dick Gregory, was like, who the hell is that? You know? Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you guess? What do you think he would say now, Lenny Bruce, right now, in this time where we stand-ups, we, we're, we're, you can't say anything. It's like, you can't say anything. Well, you're, you're just, even stand-ups, right? I mean, you, you hear it every day. This, so-and-so said this, and so-and-so said that. You can't. What would he say? Lenny Bruce would be right on the forefront, wouldn't he? <laughs> Just oh, yeah. shaking it up. Yeah. What do you think, Juno? What do you think? You know, I think Lenny Bruce was never shock for shock value. There was always a poignancy to what he was trying to articulate to the people, and every time he got up on that stage, it was because he was asking himself those same questions. He wasn't going to ask himself anything. He wasn't willing to ask anybody sitting in front of him, and so I think that he would have had the tough conversations that we all need to have these days sitting across the table from one another, but I don't mm-hmm. think he would have been tone deaf to the world that we're in right now. He yeah. was very cognizant of the way people felt about things and he wanted to make sure everybody left his company feeling like they've been heard, they've been seen, and that they're embraced by at least him if nobody else. I wonder if he'd be prosecuted, like, or just you know, people coming out in the same it- with the same fervor as then now, I want because people are ravenous about their, well, his their material, side or their, you know, his material is tame now. I mean, no, I mean, know. if he were re, if he were in now, that's, the older that same you person, get, you don't exactly you're know reincarnated, yeah. softer as you get older. If you're maybe, somehow dropped like, in this, you know. well, it's kind of like look at George Carlin's career. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think mm-hmm. about Carlin, I think about he, he became our modern day Lenny Bruce. I mean, he took the microphone directly from Lenny, and and uh, and like you know, Lenny was a funny person. That's why he was funny, but he didn't, he wasn't a joke teller. No, storyteller. Yeah, yeah, he was like, if my story's funny because I see things funny, like he'd open a newspaper and just start riffing on something. Nobody was doing that. Right. And he would just riff on something and he was just a funny human, so it would be funny innately. But there was always a point, like the famous, I do one of the big bits in the show, I do two as a preposition, come as a verb in the show. Okay. And I do Lenny's bit, and it's and some nights it's hysterical. Other nights people just stare at me, <laughs> and and I'm sure Lenny had that same experience. And at the end, he's trying to make a point, so he wraps it all up with a point, right? So, so that's pretty typical, Lenny, you know. Well, I mean, even in stand-up shows, you you could do the same bit verbatim, and one show it hits in the same old spot it usually does. And the next show, it misses there, but something that normally doesn't get as big of a laugh Absolutely. gets a big laugh. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, that's just like the nature of the rhythm of the room. But, I, I mean, talking about Lenny and Carlin as stand-ups, I mean, I, we put them in categories of stand-up comedy, but they really were in their own. I mean, Carlin is a social commentator that is, was, but... Uh, I don't think we'll see again in our lifetime. Yeah, well, Lenny was the so, same. But we have versions of that now. Right. I mean, you have the Chappelle's. Chappelle, yeah, I agree. And uh, Chappelle's kind of along that lines. Um, 
Mar, Bill Mar, Bill Mar, definitely. You hate him or love him? Yeah, yeah Bill Hicks. Yeah. You got to uh, commit. Right. You got to commit. The, 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 There's no gray like, area. No. The wishy washy doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's different though. I mean, Lenny definitely. He he opened up the discussion and then Carlin ran with it, and then uh, and there are some definitely some disciples of those. Sure. Which you could see the influence. Oh, clearly. you could see the prior influences. And, yeah, prior. Uh, I still think prior was the funniest of them all. Thank you. I do too. Yeah, Me I too, think Ron. he was the funniest, even uh, funnier than Lenny. I mean, yes, there funny was wise, nobody funnier than Richard yes. Pryor. That guy for pound. He's the man. He was the funniest. The guy. funniest guy of all. But but you know, <laughs> but he will. I've heard him say he talked about how Lenny just influenced him so much and. And, uh, and, you know, what else can you ask for? I mean, you know, normally when you're the first guy, I mean, we talk about cancel culture, we talk about those things. Lenny was canceled, he was k- killed essentially. Same so, as you know, would be now, yeah. You know, right. he, was, he was blackballed from the business. He was the first one canceled. At the end, the only place would hire him is San Francisco. It's the only city that would hire him. So he just would stay in San Francisco and work when he can in these little clubs. Was he, was he in general a self-destructive person? Or did that, did that destroy him? You know what I mean? The, the, him being blackballed and not having a play. Was he a self-destructive person? Because it was drugs and alcohol that got him, right? Yeah, I feel but, like... But drugs. But was he self-destructive? I you feel know like, you know, there was somebody who asked during the Q&A about why people in, in positions like Lenny, you know, turn to drugs and turn to alcohol. And why do they embark on this self-destructive? Yes, they got the world self-destructive. Yeah, and I feel like there was so much of the world that was against him and and when he was on stage there's always that high as a performer that you get that you just really never match in the normal world and so the way to get there is to handle it you know right by way of your vices and you know maybe there was a bit i mean we talk a lot about what it means to self-sabotage and if you if you can do that to yourself then nobody else can do it to you you know what i mean and so maybe there's something to be said Sure, we don't know for certain, but I'm sure there's a little bit of that that happened. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's a, he was a, uh, you know, he's a human being. So. No one's beating right. himself was, up more than he is. Well, I was going to say, like, who isn't self-destructive? Whether it's on a grand level or, like, I eat a little too much, I shop too much, I do whatever. There's all God, levels. you're right. I'm very self-destructive <laughs> when you put it that way. Yeah. No, oh, my God. I got to you know self-reflect here. Too many, too too many hamburgers. I eat too much. Too, too, too much. Yeah, that's called self destruction. We're in a culture of abundance. We're in a culture of abundance. But you know, God, the, if I was successful, it would be done. I'd be dead. It would be dead, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I would say Lenny was, you know, he had his demons, but who doesn't? I mean, you know, when they look back on my life, I'm sure you could pick it apart and go, I'm going to do your play. The Ron Marlowe play. You're going to do it great. <laughs> yes, I'm going to do it. You should do it. You'd be great. You'd be great. I'll be doing You've the interview. You've got to grow your hair out a little bit. Yeah, it's got to be a little bigger. I'll be doing the interview by you and stuff. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah, we're all, we're all self-destructive. I mean, so Lenny was... You know, the thing that I loved about Lenny Bruce was is that, like, he was not afraid to tell his truth. He didn't say that it was the truth. You know, Lenny... Lenny, you know... Nowadays, free speech, First Amendment, right? That's always a hot topic, right? right? It's very right. much a hot topic Absolutely. now. And there's, there's different versions of the truth now. Sure. There's alternate right. truths, right. which is Which crazy. is scary. Which is scary. Right. But what Lenny would say is, Lenny would say, I have the right to say whatever I want, but, then you, but my boss has a right to fire me. So he never thought like it was his way or the highway. He just said, I do have the right to say that, and then, but there could be a consequence for my words, and now you can say that. But to go to jail, I mean, he got sentenced to four months in prison for words. So he accepted it, you're saying, at the jail? 
Uh, he's like, okay, that's the way it goes, or where's he angry? Well, no, no, he was angry. I mean, he never did the time. He died out on appeal. But but what was Lenny? Lenny always felt that the American justice system was the best in the world, and that someday they were going to apologize and go, and, <laughs> "I'm so sorry, Lenny." And they did. You they know, did. In 2005 when. Pataki pardoned uh, yes. him in New York. Isn't that funny? Uh, yeah, 50 whatever years later, 40 years later. So they ended up pardoning him. We, we've become close with the uh, the uh, attorney, Bob Corn Revere, who wrote the pardon. Uh, he's become a good pal. And uh, But yeah, it, it's shocking to think like he still believed in it. And he really fought and thought, well, there's something that we're going to let him, but this is big of a Big misunderstanding with those He was a true, he was a true patriot. He was. In a way, right? Yeah. Way. Because you uh, really yeah. got into his real story, do you think that he felt a bit uh, like a martyr at all, or just that he was really speaking the truth? I don't think, I don't think he wanted to be the face of it all. I don't think he did based on, just that's my interpretation, but I don't think he wanted to. I think he just got up every day and felt like he, didn't have a choice but to like tell the truth and have a discussion so but but if you asked him like you're now the face of blah blah he first amendment whatever he wouldn't he didn't want that he didn't he just wanted to live a, a, his life but he thought like is no one else watching like is someone going to speak up about this you know so i think he felt like he had no choice but to stand up but i don't think he like set out with like I'm going to be a shock comic, and I'm going to... Right. He never, like, it was all very organic, it felt like. That it just felt like the next step, always. And do you, you think know? that, um, based on what you've researched, um, do you feel like that his demise with the drugs and alcohol was a bit of self-medicating? Because, you know, we didn't talk... We're barely talking about mental health now. I mean, that was not a thing then. So, was it a coping... Or was it, you know, a, a party or both? I, mean, I don't know. You know, it's so hard to tell. I mean, I, I'm I'm actually uh, sober myself for a very long time. Okay. I never even had a legal drink. That's what a crazy teenager I was. Okay. So I've been sober a long time, clean and sober. Right. And so I was lucky enough to find recovery. Lenny did not. So, you know, as someone who is an addict, essentially, recovering, thank God, but someone mm-hmm. who understands that... It's hard to speak on like why anybody does anything. I mean, right. I can give you a couple of examples why I did it, like this, that, my mom and dad split right. up. I can give you, but who the hell knows? I, you know, there's still that debate. Like, are you born with it? Are you, are you not? Uh, you will become addicted to whatever's in around you if you're hanging out with a bunch of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. little old ladies from the Upper West Side with some money, maybe you're shopping a lot. I don't know, I'm just right. saying. Yes. Your environment will dictate what you feed your... Yeah, I think, it's, like, for it, me it, personally, I think I'm more... Dang, like, sure, if I'm down, yeah, and have a few drinks, try to shake it off. But eventually, I'm like, all right, got to get it back together. Now, I'm the opposite. If, if, the, if there's reason to celebrate, then I'm... That's when the trouble happens. Like if I got a million dollars at the lotto, I'd be dead in twenty four hours. That'd be the worst thing that ever happened. But you can find a reason every day to celebrate. You can absolutely. Everything's a celebration. When we watched when we watched this uh, play, what kind of ride are we on in this play? Is it uh, is it more comedy? Am I gonna? Is it is it more? 
uh, drama? Is it more, you know what I'm saying? What, it's a tragedy. What am I expecting? What am I going to see? It's a complete tragedy okay. with some comedy. And it depends on my audience. You know, I always say that the show's always good. It's always really good. But sometimes it's great. And when it's great, it's because the audience unlocks that special little place. Right. And, and, and you know, as comics, you understand They bring that. it out. Yeah, but there's this thing, there's this understanding between us that, like, some nights it feels like it's four hours right. up there for the 90 minutes, and other nights it feels Been like there. it's 30 seconds. Yeah. And I'm like, what happened? Did we do the show? And so there's this thing that happens, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it's a tragedy with comedy. Uh, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking, it's beautiful, it's a love story, it's funny. It's, uh, I don't know, when you saw it, what was the vibe? I mean, you saw it, do you remember, Chase? Well, you know, I saw it with fellow comedians. Was it a tragedy with comedy? So, I mean, we Am I bummed out with comedy? Low, laughing later? I, I don't know. I, I think if you love stand-up, you are a stand-up, and you're into the history of Lenny Bruce and all the greats that came before you, you know, it, it, you just have a different outlook on it because you're just so into it. Um, but I do remember just the intensity of the show like because it is such an amazing story i mean the funny is intense the dark moments are intense i mean and i, I gotta and, tell you i predict you will make a mistake if you don't buy tickets to the show <laughs> it is at the Bayam theater the Bayam theater uh i performed there about seven years ago it is the most intimate theater it's a theater just 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 puts the audience one with the performer. I got a feeling, Ron, you're gonna bring your fastball and it's gonna be unbelievable. I'll and people are gonna be talking about your show for a long time if they see it. I recommend get those tickets to see it. Don't miss it. It's only here for two nights. Yeah, and the best way to do it is go to LennyBruceOnStage.com because not only can you get tickets there uh, for the buy -in, you can also, uh, see all the reviews, see a bunch of interviews, you can see just great stuff. So if you want to go down a rabbit hole with the show, go to Lenny Bruce on stage. Awesome, man. Like I said, in particular, the Biome Theater, that's, that's going to be a fantastic I'm thrilled. Show. And, and just a side note, very funny, I'm the biggest Steeler fan in the world. <laughs> I grew up in New Jersey, but uh, right. I've been a Steeler fan my whole life. That's and, pretty cool, and man. The, uh, my oh wow! Sweatshirt. So this isn't just—that's no, no. not just for show. That's the real deal. No, no, I'm like his mom used to show tell you. I'm a total nut job. We drove overnight from Great Barrington, Massachusetts. We had the show last weekend. We had two performances up at the Mahaley. Drove overnight here just so that we can catch the game on Sunday. I went to the oh, game. Yeah, nice. it was amazing. Oh my so, god! No, we're Steeler people. I'm a Steeler person, and she's. I'm a Giants fan. I'm a supporter, but you know what? Today, <laughs> anyone who beats Brady is okay by me. There you go. Amen. Ron. <laughs> Everyone out there listening, you got to support. Come on, it's a Steeler fan for crying out loud. Big Steeler fan, so not just the local one. I'm what, do you, what, do you, what do you think? I'm excited about Kenny Pickett. I'm excited about our new well, quarterback. I mean, but Mitch Trubisky yeah, he came through. I don't know. It's Trubisky needs to, to go into real estate. He needs to get off the <laughs> I don't want anything to do with Trubisky. I was in Chicago for a year doing right. this show. Yeah. And yeah. they were tearing this guy up. I'm like, come on, how bad can he be? And now he comes over to our team. I don't want anything to do with this guy. I want, I'd rather Tomlin go out there with a helmet on. I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah, in well, you are a Steeler fan, man. I'd rather, lose, I'd rather lose every game the rest of the year and have pick and learn on the job. And uh, I don't want anything to do with Trubisky. I don't, I don't like that guy. And it's shocking how, what a different team we are when Watt is not on, not on the field. Oh, my it's God. It's a different... Experience. Defense is completely different. But the whole team guy, feels different. Yeah, this well, guy is like... It's, it's an energy. I bought a Watt 
Uh, sure, yes. Right. Yeah, just FYI. Um, I love, I love, on the street in Pittsburgh, I had a bike. But, but I, I'm excited about the future, but we, we've got a tough uh, we've got a tough road ahead of us right now, the Steelers. A little, little bit of a rebuild this year. Yeah, and we're not used to that. And hopefully Tomlin will, you know, just stay the court. I mean, he's great. The standard is the standard. The standard is the standard. I love what he says. And they cool. I tell when I direct plays, I go, yeah. the standard is the standard. You do the Tomlin. I do Tomlin. The actor's like, oh, that's okay, so man. deep. And I'm like, All right. yeah. I'm stealing from Tomlin. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know where I'm getting it. The standard is the standard. <laughs> you come tomorrow off book. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love that, man. Oh, yeah. Tomlin I works. love the Steelers. So. And, and Janelle's. We got to give it through this year, man. The Giants are doing well. I well, I love the Giants too. Growing up in New coach, Jersey, yeah. I've been—I'm uh, a huge Giant fan. We got to give it to you. Yeah, big day on Sunday. Steelers, we got the Giants. Yeah, the Yankees. Yankees. We're big Yankee fans. We're uh, huge Yankee fans. So, but the Steelers are the team. I mean, I—I I, I try to come once a year. It's been a few years. Okay. Since we live in LA now, but uh, but nice. I, I love it. I'm so happy to be here. I love it. So you got you got to support uh, uh, Ronnie and then the, the Lenny Bruce shirt. So the buy. How do I get tickets again? You go to LennyBruceOnStage.com. Uh, you could go to the Buy Him website as well. But if you go to Lenny Bruce on Stage, then you could really check out what you're, what you're signing up for. And uh, the reviews are there. My director Joe Montagna, the man is not only a genius. That's cool. He's also a mensch. He's the best guy in the world. How so, cool is it working with Joe Montagna? Oh, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> he married us. He got he got ordained just to marry us. Oh, that's pretty cool. Joe married us. Yeah, that's he's so cool. he's family. He's uh, it's a whole nother. Thing really is. Yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. He's uh, he's very special to us. And uh, but he's also a really talented guy. He made this oh. show just. He did a good job. So right. so it's cool. You know, we're really blessed. People uh, want to see this thing, and do, we're just starting off on our tour. Do you see yourself doing another ten years? Do you love it that much? Do you want to keep doing this character? Because you're a great actor. I mean, obviously you are. You. you You've created this. You you have audiences coming. You you know you're putting it out there. Do you, you want to do other things? Or you oh, like I do a character? lot of other things. I'm very so, blessed. I mean, I, mean I, I did Criminal Minds uh, two seasons ago. Um, what did you play? I love that show. You do? Yeah, I'm gonna watch it. Which maybe I saw. What did you play? Did you see the episode? Were you a deranged killer? Were you a nice? Yeah, guy? no, I was the unsolved. Oh, I, was, I love it. I was the guy who. Uh, <laughs> there was an episode called uh, Bad Moon on the Rise. It was a guy who was eating people in Central I saw Park. That one. Was that you? That's me. Ooh. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. that was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. Go. You didn't even know my name until I got no, here. I, mean, I still don't know. I'm learning it. Right, right. Google me up. You'll see I did a couple oh of things. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to go watch it again. You got to see the episode? Well, because no, it was really important. It's actually, it was interesting because at the end of the show, at the end of the episode, people were like feeling bad and rooting for me. And yeah. you see why that happens. And they're like, boy, that's confusing. I'm rooting for the guy who's eating people and saying, <laughs> no, well, you know. Uh, but we do other stuff. We shot a couple, like three pilots. It's like a keto diet year. thing. No. It's a keto, yeah. It's just, I just want meat. I don't need to. So you're we, <laughs> we shot three pilots this year, my wife and I. And uh, cool. we've done lots of different, we're very blessed. I mean, we're lucky we get to do what we love. Yeah. But it, so to answer your question is, I have a feeling I'll always come back to this. Yes. It feels very important to me, and not just uh, for me. For I feel like in some ways it's a it's a public service. It kind of is. Well, to they keep his name show. out there, right? Especially it's, now. Uh, especially now. Yeah. So, um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. So, I told Joe if I'm like ninety. And I'm still on stage doing this. You got to pull me off. He goes, I'll be 125, so I'll be gone. <laughs> it is prime. So, uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, <laughs> but honestly, like I've been really lucky in my life, and I've done a lot of great things. Uh, but I feel like my obituary is going to read 
Ronnie Marmel, nice guy. He did well for himself. He did General Hospital. He did blah, 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 blah. And he played Lenny Bruce. Oh, that's going to be the signature. I think that's the... That's your I, signature, and I'm, right? And I'm and boy, You're proud of that. If that's the end of the road, man, I, I did pretty good for myself. Nah, baby, it's just the beginning. You know Ronnie I mean? Marmel, just the beginning. Thanks, <laughs> And a Steeler fan. So you got... You got go go Steelers. Go Steelers, man. Steelers. Yins, yins. No, thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, well, I learned yins, yins yesterday. That's, you there you go. It's a good start. It's good. My daughter is, uh, she's gay, and uh, we bought her y- Yins, what is Lesbian. the shirt? Lesbians. Oh, that. Wow. Uh, so, right. I hope she doesn't listen to this, it's a Christmas present. Uh, <laughs> we bought her and her girlfriend Lesbians. That's I'm awesome. Like, yes, they're going to love those shirts. I <laughs> Pittsburgh, that's awesome. Thanks, guys, we appreciate you coming you on. You got thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for coming. It's Jim Crane, Jim Crane, Jim Crane, no restrictions with Tracy Jane. Thank you.